I got this is how you know I've been full gamer mode as late. The fucking melon. Are you <laughs> liking that flavor? It's trash. <laughs> I tried it. I I've avoided Mountain Dew over the last like four months just because really? of, well, yeah, I just so fucking addicted to that shit. You know, like, you know, I'd go to a grocery store, pick up two yeah. or three. Yeah. Fucking Baja blast, man. That shit. That shit's like fucking crack. I remember being at the Safeway and they had like three, three of the can things, and I just I bought them all. Like <laughs> I knew I couldn't. I knew I'd struggle to carry them home with me, but I bought all three of them because uh, there was the last ones left, and I was like, "Fuck this shit!" Like I'm taking it all. Just imagine you like sweating, hauling <laughs> it back, like, then just, just hunkering like... down for like three days nonstop, just like. I had them like over in front of my fridge and I was just like stacked them all in there so they'd be cold as shit because honestly Baja Blast out of an aluminum can is fucking I think the best way to drink it and I was just <laughs> sitting there just like yeah <laughs> Hello guys, gals, and a non-binary pals, and welcome to episode 12 of Couch Co-op. If you haven't listened before, it's basically a book club, only for video game nerds. Today we're going to sit down and talk about driving games, but before we get into that, first thing I want to check in with is, where are you playing this week, boys? Uh, well, it's funny you should ask what we are playing, because uh, we are playing It Takes Two which is the new game from the developers who produced, um, oh, geez, what was that? What was that called, Plum? A Way Out. A Way Out, yeah. And we've talked about A Way Out on this podcast before and how it's just this, uh, basically an interactive experience between uh, two, two uh, people. Well, this is basically like an ultra creative version of that where um, you and your uh, wife, my wife Plumber and me, we get sucked into a uh, fantasy world and I just can't tell you how much of a joy it has been. Uh, definitely my game of the year thus far. Every single time me and Plum jump into this game, it's beautiful and creative and just so much fun. Um, every, it, every, it's all, it's all really, um, every different level has a completely different theme and a completely different feeling. And it just stays fresh throughout. We're about halfway through, maybe a little bit more at this point. Um, but yeah, Plumber, do you, do you agree? Is this one of your, uh, one of your favorite gaming moments of the year? Yeah, most definitely. Um, we were just jamming totally on the level design, especially after I would say the first two, two and a half hours of it. There's about a three-hour block that's still running that has just been totally uh, spectacular as far as how the levels are designed and just the kind of awe that inspires. So, um, Matt, I totally suggest that you play it with your wife or, you know, your brother, if possible. So, I, I think the word plumber used awe is definitely how I feel about this game. Like, every, every new scene, I'm just like, my jaw drops. And being able to experience that with uh, with my uh, you know my gaming uh, ombre, hetero life mate, yeah. his waifu, bro. <laughs> my my gaming life mate has been wonderful. 
you guys playing anything solo or just is all your gaming time for the past week committed to that um, i've dipped my toes into days gone uh probably about a little over two hours into that um don't really have a solid opinion yet this time um and then a speedrunner called Earth Knight, which um, at first glance I was not too impressed with, but I'm actually like uh, four or five hours of gameplay into it at this point, and it's a lot more deep and a lot more uh, complex. Uh, basically, you it's a speedrunner where you run across the backs of giant dragons and collect um, collect uh, items and jump off uh, enemies' heads. <laughs> it's been it's been fun. Wait, cool. Plum, are you playing anything on your own? Yeah, I kind of got two games going on that um, are both failing miserably. I got Disco Elysium, and they actually finally released Patch 1.2 today for the PlayStation 4, which only solves one of like the three issues that are going on. So I pretty much resolved that issue in the game and then went back to turning it off. But um, the Twitter and the subreddit are just like blowing them up right now, and they're being um, they're being compared to CD Projekt Red right now, if not worse, because at least that game you could uh, actually finish almost all the missions. It's just a matter of how bad the glitches are. But I mean, nothing game breaking too bad in Cyberpunk, whereas this game does have some game breaking glitches. So um, that and then uh, Star Citizen which is in its alpha stage, despite making, I think, over $300 million and has been going on for about eight or nine years. Um, I played some of that with Dennis about four days ago, and it, you either get kicked out of the server or your like ship just explodes randomly because it went through an asteroid that you couldn't see. So <laughs> it's, it's been a <laughs> time of gaming, and I honestly, like... Uh, it Takes Two has been the only rock-solid foundation I've had, so all the more proof that that game is definitely taking the cake. And, and I've only been playing, been able to play like twice a week, so <laughs> it's been few and far between. I'm uh, I'm really disappointed by Disco because um, I really, you know, recommended that game highly to you, and the day before it came out, I read a review basically saying, hold off on this game. It's, it's not, it's not quite there yet on console uh, needs a patch. And I warned you of that. And then the next day, all of the, the big review embargo dropped and all of these reviews came out saying like, Oh, this is a masterpiece still just as good on console. And as plumber has experienced, that's uh that's kind of full of shit because uh, he, his game got broken. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, it's, it's just frustrating that all these professional reviewers didn't, you know, bother to mention the fact that you can't finish the game. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, the glitch doesn't happen until day three on a Wednesday, so probably about nine to ten hours into the game. And you can beat the game, but I've started these quests and I consider them, in you know, a pretty... Uh, rock solid thing for me to do in the game like integral so for me to have to like wait on them or go around them is like pretty much not something I'm willing to accept but I mean there's people defending them saying like oh you can still beat the game and someone's like well I mean yeah I could, I could also beat the game like without doing all this stuff but that's not the point you know I want access to these things so um, once I started these quests I want to finish them and I can't finish them so I'm just going to hold off on the game and 
the biggest gripe has been their lack of communication because they said that they posted on the 31st of uh, March that they were releasing the patch across all platforms and only one showed up yesterday. So that was for the PlayStation 5 on the 7th. So that was eight days after they said that they were going to have, you know, the patch out for across the board, which was only one. And then even then the PS5ers were giving us all warnings saying, hey, this is only solving like some of the issues. And then the PS4 one dropped and it was all the same issues. So um, I think it's just a lack of communication or just poor communication on their part. But yeah, it does kind of suck. And especially that it happened so late in the game that um, a lot of reviewers missed it, you know, because the first two days run really well. There's no complaints. And I was loving the game up until that point. So I wouldn't feel too bad. I think a lot of people got duped by it. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense that most reviewers aren't going to put in the time to get all the way to that point to actually notice a game breaking bug like that, unfortunately. Not like it's their job or anything, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, the game's been out for a year on PC. It's not the final cut, so I mean, it's a different version in the sense that all the voices aren't there. But like most of these people have already played the game, so you know, it's probably like, hey, turn it on. You know, they probably get to Tuesday. They're like, oh yeah, it's running fine. I got other things to do. So, yeah, and you know, the other factor too that in many cases, you know. The, reviewers who are bringing in a solid income a lot of the time there are particular companies that are games that you're kind of required to boost up a tad in order to keep things moving so there is that element in play as well i imagine you know um, but i brought it up i was like hey you know monster hunter pretty complicated game uh ran fine without glitches you know and a lot of these people are being like oh you can't find every glitch it's like well you could spend the money to actually like test these out properly <laughs> so anyways yeah well i've been playing uh, two two games kind of two ends of the spectrum i uh tried that mobile suit game that i told you about that's a space shooter that it, it's decent enough for whatever reason i've always had an issue completing those kind of games because i just kind of hit a wall of just kind of getting bored of them um i it's always plagued me ever since i was a kid playing like wing commander like just always something about those space games like i i fall in love with them for like the first like four levels and then something just it just tunes out um so i kind of hit that period so then i downloaded uh what is it hotline miami uh the second one and i managed to beat that and i thought that was a quite the experience uh Mind me a lot of some really difficult games I played when I was younger that uh, only more refined, despite it really making me want to throw my controller at certain points in time. Um, like there are certain things that frustrated me all the hell, but you just get so locked into it and the music's so good and the plot's actually surprisingly really deep. Like I've actually really enjoyed going down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what the hell is going on in that game. Um, so there's some pretty interesting uh, YouTube videos out there about it. And then I played a game called uh, Desert Child that's a shit indie game. And I tried to play it just to get in the spirit of shit indie games. And uh, it was pretty terrible all around. It's slow, it's clunky, it's boring. And, you know, of course, I got the platinum on that. So. And then I made sure to blow you up my text message, <laughs> make fun of you for platinuming a 
game that got a 58 on Metacritic. <laughs> well, as Plummer has told you, a platinum's a platinum, so we're going <laughs> to run with that. Yeah, I mean, I have the Cyberpunk platinum, so I can't complain too much. <laughs> I played the first Hotline Miami, and I feel like I'm pretty good at video games. You know, I'm not, I'm not you know, that, that game was really hard. Uh, I did not get very far into it, and I tried. I have a feeling the second one may be cleaned up a tad in terms of the gameplay, but it's, it's a very difficult game. Um, it, it was just, like I said, for whatever reason, it, it just remind me so much of so many of these Twitch oriented games that you didn't have unlimited lives <laughs> of my childhood. So it was kind of like, Oh, if I can just try this over a million times, of course I'm going to figure it out. So at least that's the attitude I took towards it, but it, it can be quite frustrating. What what drew you to Hotline Miami, Matt? Was there was it like a free game on Game Pass or something? Or, uh, well, I have that PS Now, so mm-hmm. it gives you a quite a collection of different um, games to play, you know, for free. And that's one that I've heard mentioned kind of in passing is sort of like usually people bring up the music, um, but it gets mentioned for other lists. Like I said, some people uh, I've read online that talk about the plot or the violence component of it, just it gets thrown around in comparison to GTA occasionally, like on certain message boards. So I don't know. I had always heard about it, um, checked it out, figure I'd just tr- try it out and tool around and it just hooked me. So, all right. So that's our review in gaming for what we've been up to. So why don't we dive right into our topic at hand? Uh, we were going to be discussing driving games. Uh, this time, you know, I'm going to go first because uh, there's one game that's near and dear to my heart that I want to get out in front of and not allow one of you bastards to ruin for me. Um, that one's uh, Rock and Roll Racing on SNES. I don't know if either of you played this game, but it's very, very basic. Essentially, it's just, you know, it, it's a racing game. Only you get to shoot missiles and shit at other cars. Um, but the gameplay component is very reminiscent of off-road. And hence the title it's rock and roll is involved in it jack i think you'd appreciate some of these tunes that are actually in this game only mind you digitized you know nintendo sounding uh sounding music tracks but you have bad to the bone by george thurgood and the destroyers highway star by deep purple paranoid by black sabbath the peter gunn theme by henry mancini born to be wild by steppenwolf so like it's playing all these digitized songs, you know, of classic rock while you ride around, you blow the shit out of your opponent and you race to the finish line. It's a tremendous game. Super fun. Um, again, never completed it because you reach a wall where the difficulty just spikes and it's super hard. But yeah, I mean, when I think of driving games and particularly the ones where you can actually attack or be involved, um, you know, there's games like Spy Hunter is the classic famous one. And I feel like all the cool elements that were involved in that you could do in this game, but then you also add in the rock and roll component and, you know, the tightness of the off-road sort of racing. It's just a gem to me. Well, I was just, I looked up a video and I recall, I can't say I played a whole bunch of it, but I did touch base with that game. It looks pretty cool. It's like a top-down isometric view of a a racing car game. It kind of looked like micro machines almost going across the track, so... It's a great descriptor. Yep. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to bring another fun game that was on the Super NES, and that would be Mario Kart. 
I mean, obviously, I think the battle mode is probably one of the more popular aspects, but I did love racing and especially racing in the ghost mode, you know, just to just to go after my times was always great fun. Um, and they have some pretty memorable tracks, especially the Haunted Mansion, you know, where you could definitely screw over other people on that game. And, you know, I always had fun introducing my sister to the the shortcut on that. And it wasn't really a shortcut. It was just a dive off the, the edge. So uh, that was an easy one for me. But you know, Rainbow Road is a pretty classic, uh, I want to say, racetrack, I think, in all of video game racing, just because it is just pretty much uh, a very narrow path off a very long drop. And it's very easy to lose your first person. Um, I would say your first place dominance on that. And I can't recall, but did the did did the original game have the blue turtle shell in the racing mode, or is that was that introduced later on? I couldn't tell you. I, I didn't play nearly enough Mario Kart. Um, I many many of my friends adored it. I just was terrible at it and never owned it personally. But it is a classic for sure. But uh, do you know what the blue shell did? Oh yeah, it wipes you out if you're in the lead, right? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, that was definitely something that, you know, um, as someone that was in last place at times often gave you some sort of you know, justification for wanting to play the game is that you could always screw the person that was like taking the lead and hand it to the second or third player. <laughs> They're able to capitalize on it. So, um, but yeah, no, I love that game. I played it with, um, many friends for many years. Um, so I would say the racing mode on that's probably one of the, the nearest and dearest to my heart. My, uh, my buddy had an N64 um, and I would go over to his place and it was like him and his neighbors who would play and they were all so good. We, we'd play that and a GoldenEye and GoldenEye would be like, you, you played to 25 and be like, 25 kills, 23 kills for second place, 21 kills for third. And then I'd be like two kills, (laughs) (laughs) but um, super Mario Kart is kind of like you were saying with the blue shell, like we played mostly battle, like you were saying also, but um, the there's enough craziness in that game, enough, like just random randomness that I could actually compete in that game and feel like I was, you know, uh, competitive and it was a lot of fun because of that you know there's there's the equivalence of the blue shells in battle mode where you know you you walk you run into three guys duking it out and you're on the top floor of a of the uh of the world you just start bombing down shells on them <laughs> they're, they're in their own little fight and all of a sudden they got you know they're, they're getting shells rained on them from above um so yeah I, i'm glad you brought that up dave because that was uh, a really fun experience when i was younger well, I did some research, and that's Mario Kart 64 is when it came out, so 1996, um, which I played plenty of as well between that and the SNES version of it. But, yeah, the blue shell of death and terror. Right on, Jack. You have a driving game to introduce? Well, <laughs> I really I don't have a whole lot of uh, driving games in the last 15 years, so I had to go back pretty far when I was, when I was really into them. Um, and so last night I'm driving home from uh, a work party and I've just been really busy and I'm just thinking like, Oh, I haven't been able to prepare for this podcast at all. I can't think of any games and I'm bumping the tunes 
And literally as this thought is going through my mind, a flock of seagulls I ran so far away pops up on the radio. And I was just like, whoa, because that is the theme song for GTA Vice City. And it just it just completely brought me back. It was like a moment in the car where, you know, it, it just seemed so uh, fortuitous that it popped on right as I was having this moment of like, God, what am I going to do? And just cruising through Vice City. And as you know, as any GTA player knows, they have like the whole catalog of songs that are played on the radio. Um, but the one that really stood out, the one they used in the commercial for GTA Vice City was a flock of se seagulls ran so far away. And you're cruising through that, that Miami uh, inspired city by city with all the neon colors. And I mean, now the graphics look ridiculous, but back then it was so cool. It's this 3d world and the tunes are bumping and you're going your way to like, you know, go shoot somebody. And um, yeah, that was definitely a really fun uh, moment for me last night when I, when I had that, that huge chunk of nostalgia just planted in my head. I was going to say too, uh, that one I've always appreciated, I think the most in terms of the driving component, because that was the last one I can remember where I actually, actually knew where I was going the whole time. Mm. Cause as the world's got bigger and bigger, like it's still fun as hell to drive around and explore, but you just can't, I couldn't bring myself to memorize like certain areas as well as I did with Vice City, like Vice City, like, like you said, with the music bumping, like you're just so into it and you didn't, there was no ability really to skip from one end of the map to the other. And it wasn't like, it was a joy just to cruise around. So I, I would categorize that into the driving category for that reason, because you do spend a substantial amount of time driving around and it never seemed to bother me when I played it. Uh, much less than the third one, which was an excellent game in its own right. But there was definitely some stretches where it was like exhausting to be just like constantly like trying to get to a location. Um, and yeah, just having to go through the motions of it. Uh, I want to add that Jack and I flirted with uh, GTA 5 and uh, there was some racing in that that was pretty obnoxious um, where a lot of the the levels were custom built by I think other players and we would just hop into a lobby and next thing you know we're in these cars that are probably a mile up or a half a mile up from the city and we're doing these insane jumps to the point where you know if you don't get the flying down correctly and you hit at the wrong angle you're coming off the edge or you know the the luckiest part is you'd come down at an angle shoot forward and hit your buddy and then shoot him off the edge while you're able to recoup and keep going. So uh, a lot of those racing maps on GTA 5 are pretty fun. I mean, we didn't play it for weeks and months on time, but uh, we definitely dabbled in that quite a bit. Yeah, I liked, I liked uh, that quite a bit. Um, I'm glad you brought up three, though. San Andreas is actually my favorite Grand Theft Auto. Maybe maybe one of my three or four favorite games of all time. I spent hours and hours, months and months of my uh, junior year in college, just sitting on the couch, passing the controller back and forth between my, uh, my, my buddy, uh, Matt, a <laughs> different Matt. Um, but we would just, we would just run the perfection races over and over and over. And uh, uh, the GTA, um, I mean, there's a lot you do that's not driving in that game, but the heart and soul of it is definitely driving 
And if, if it didn't feel so good to drive in those games, no, it, it would not be nearly as popular. It would not be the, the same, the same game. That's actually a great segue into the next one I was going to talk about. Um, it was a game called driver the the original one on uh, the first PlayStation was huge. And essentially all it was, was trying to turn, take the GTA, GTA style and atmosphere only make it a hundred percent centered around being in a car. And there were some really cool missions to it. Like there's some really neat ways that they like made it to where like you would have to drive and not get like noticed by a cop. So like you would have to actually follow like the traffic lights and like almost like, I don't think you had to necessarily signal before you turned, but like you, you pretty much would find yourself like doing everything by the book just to make sure that you didn't like set, set off the alarm. Unfortunately, one of the things, the worst things about it was that a, the cops would respond for like the most ridiculous things. Like if you barely went above the speed limit, like instantly you're under, you know, they're, you're wanting levels through the roof. Um, and also had one of the most notorious, horrible tutorial levels in the very beginning where you're just in this parking garage and it's teaching you the basic mechanics. And I actually knew quite a few people who never made it out of that garage. <laughs> That's how complicated it was. But um, yeah, the, like the missions were amazing. Like there were some really cool like thought behind it. A lot of them were based off of like movies or like famous chase sequences. Like, and you would get really into, you know, trying to like run all around the city committing crimes or whatnot. And uh, for whatever reason, like the sequel just did not do as well and it kind of faded into oblivion. But it was one that I certainly thought like would have ended up like continuing to be kind of a, a well-established franchise, but it was never meant to be. Plumber, uh, what you got for us? Uh, I want to throw up Gran Turismo 1 and 2, which I had uh, plenty of experience playing. I can remember my friend in junior high telling me about the game and it being more of a driving simulator than anything. So of course I was, I was just more infatuated with that idea. So I just asked him, you know, it was like, can you take a minivan and deck it out? And he was like, yeah, I think you can, you know, which uh, I, I don't think you can. Um, but once I did get it, um, it became one of my favorite games to play. Uh, I was such a gearhead at the time as far as cars go that you know when I was able to in-game purchase a Mitsubishi 3000 DT uh, V6 and get that going which was my dream car up until about I don't know when I got into college and I realized I'd probably never ever get one nor did I want to get a credit card and slap that much money down on one but um, that game definitely at the time was the hot shit as far as car simulations because your car looked super nice and the game handled like what you would expect a car to handle. So when you took turns, you would see your car shift, you know, you would see the weight. And if you didn't have the right uh, parts onto your car, you know, you would definitely notice that, you know, it would kick the tail end out or you would slide a bit much more depending on what kind of tires you had or um, how fast you went off on a starting line, depending whether or not what kind of engine you had set up. So, um, I felt like that would, that was probably one of my, that was the strongest racing game I ever played because you had the arcade mode where you could also race yourself, you know, so most of the time you were just playing against yourself and hopefully uh, getting your, um, 
getting your times better in that game. But there was also this concept of getting a license so that you could try to compete on more grander basis and more grander levels. And um, I recall um, being in high school, Gran Turismo 2 came out and uh, or still the original Gran Turismo, I'm sorry. And one of the guys at school, him and his buddy was doing one of the 500 lap license that you had to get. And he was just explaining about how they started it late at night. And then so one of them fell asleep and the other one took over. And then um, that guy needed to get some sleep. So you'd like slap him awake. <laughs> and then like they would just take turns <laughs> like trying to get one license. But I mean, it was like one of the, the most achievable things, but also, Going back to the graphics is that there is a replay mode, whereas a cinematic experience. So once you run through it, you could play your cinematic, you know, watch the whole lap in cinema. And it just pretty much gave you a boner for all the cars that you wanted, like Toyota Supras. They had Fiats, you know, they just had Royals Voices. So yeah, I mean, you had your fast cars, but you also had your European classics in that game. So it was really fun to, to be young into cars and to be able to set your cars up with all the stuff that you just could not afford in real life and then, you know, drive them around different places. So. Well, this might be a short podcast because Gran Turismo was my, my, my old mother. For me, it was, it was the third one. Um, but what was really cool about it is just like Plum was saying is that the cars, they actually, um, it was a simulation game. So, I'm not sure how true to life this is, but what I always was told was that the specs in Grand Theft Auto or in Gran Turismo 3 were exactly how the cars behaved in real life. So how, how um, much you held down the acceleration and how your car responded to that would be exactly how fast that car would uh, accelerate in real life or the handling of the turning. It was all supposed to be stimulate, simulated to the exact to the exact specifications of whatever car you were uh, driving. Um, so that was really cool just because you could really kind of fool yourself into thinking that, you know, you are an amazing racer. <laughs> That's really not the case. Um, and one of the things that, that I always had a chance to do um, was, was go and race yourself. Like Plum was saying, I would just do that over and over and over. I, I think I did like I got all the licenses in that game except for the 500 mile one, which Plummer uh, mentioned. Um, but it was just it was really cool, uh, a really fun game that I spent way too much time playing, and kind of like um, the building blocks for what I would end up doing with how I like gaming, whether it's playing the same villains over and over in Sekiro, or running the same two minute section of a, a platforming game. It's the same style when you're just doing the same race over and over. And you've got, you're like this, like a foot ahead of your shadow. And you're like, yeah, I got to get that 0 0.001 to get the final grade for this mission. You do it, you're like, ah. So, yeah, it was uh, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, that feeling of hitting that corner just slightly more efficient mm -hmm. than you did. And then watching your ghost fall back behind. I mean, that, that was pretty much like the same experience. Two, and you, knew, you knew that was all it took to get that final, that final, uh, I forget, Dave or Matt, do you remember? what like was it a trophy you got was it um uh, because they had like they graded your they graded your race like four different ways so i can't remember what it was but yeah. 
Yeah, I can't off the top of my head. It's been so long. It's been like over 20 years. Yeah, I, I never had the pleasure of playing that, but from everything I, I understood about it, it was just like this amazing simulator. And it's awesome that it conveys that sense of getting everything down to that just like slightest detail, because as far as I understand, that's kind of for like high-end racing. That's literally what it's all about is tooling it so you can get just like that slightest bit more drift or the slightest bit more traction. Everything is just like, small little details that amount to everything so I, i've heard nothing but fantastic things about that series i just never got around to trying it myself yeah no you're absolutely right you could um raise the suspension higher or lower on your back and your front you know which would change the way that you're able to handle a turn um you're able to to put on different wheels you know which would obviously grip the road in different ways or whatnot so yeah that game was um that game was amazing, especially if uh, especially if you didn't know what you're doing like me and had to play around with a lot of stuff and just realizing that having a turboed out car was probably not the best bet, you know, that you had to, <laughs> to put a lot more effort <laughs> into what else was going on. So, yeah, uh, I go the other route, like typically any game that involves driving for me, like there has to be some added element. So uh, the other one I was going to introduce was uh, Road Rash on Sega Genesis and carried over to later PlayStation um, road rash for anyone who doesn't know is a motorcycle racing game where you uh, go around and you can beat the shit out of your opponents with chains and whips or whatever you can pick up along the road. Basically um, in many ways, it was the kind of the spiritual, I, I guess the very first GTA uh, in, because I recall that I believe it's the second one that police actually will pursue you if you, uh, commit certain crimes or if you pass certain areas and you can actually fight with the police which was just hugely taboo back in the <laughs> late 80s early 90s when this game was was popular so <laughs> oh man how things have changed especially with grand with uh, grand theft auto <laughs> right, right. <laughs> now you're beating cops to death with baseball bats in the street <laughs> yeah so i i very much enjoyed that one and you know i'm gonna throw an honorable mention here too because it's not technically a driving race or it's a racing not a racing game but it's technically a driving game but um twisted metal series i don't know if oh. you gentlemen played that one at all i loved that game twisted metal 2 yeah twisted metal day. 2 was my one of my favorite games ever uh on the playstation for certain and yeah i played the hell out of that game and even though it's car combat, not quite typical driving, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I had all the codes memorized, so I could, I could shoot all the different powers out from behind me. I could also, I just, I just got wily with setting traps. Like I'd be able to put the debt, you know, the the mines that you could detonate. I would have people chasing me, you know, and I would know exactly where to put that mine so that it would throw them off the map and get me a kill. And yeah, it, that game was so much fun. Just by virtue of the fact that you use the mines tells me everything about the level of ability you had that game. Oh, dude, the ricochet balls were just as deadly, too, if you know how to use them. Like, you could keep people in the fire pits with that. Um, you know, Thumper, who was, um, I forgot what kind of car he was, but he was a thug car with a flamethrower. Um, it was really easy for me to wreck everyone with that because I would just ricochet them into the wall and just use my special on them until they cooked, so... Wait, cool. Jack, do you have any experience with Twisted Metal series? 
a plumber had me uh, download it one time and he, <laughs> he had me believe it was like, you know, the, the game, the masterpiece I never experienced when I was younger. And that shit is janky as hell. What the hell? Like rolling around like controls are garbage. Does not hold up. Plumbers like even as we're playing, plumbers like trying to talk it up like it's like you know the freaking holy grail and like he spent his life trying to refine this game. And uh, actually, I'm I'm exaggerating slightly. It was actually it was a pretty fun night. Uh, He tried to convince me to play it like four nights later. I was like, no. Well, he's not wrong, man. It's just it did not age well. It doesn't hold up. I mean, at the time, it was a bee's knees, right? But, you know, at the time of, I think it was a PlayStation 3 that you had that I talked you into this. Yeah. And there's so many other games <laughs> that I was playing and I was like, dude, I remember this being way cooler when I was playing this. And Jack's just like, uh-huh. <laughs> laughing his ass off. Now I'm in Paris and I'm trying to show him how cool Paris is because you can destroy the Eiffel Tower and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, wow, Dave, wow. That's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to throw out um, RC Program on the original Nintendo. Great game. Yeah. yeah. And that was uh, that was definitely one of the challenging racing games, if I recall, because, man, it was just it felt like your car moved on a pole and the center of mass was like directly in the middle. So if you turned and you just didn't turn at the right angle, that it would just totally throw off the whole, the whole race for you. But I can vaguely recall playing that game quite a bit as a child. Way cool. Jack, did you have any other games that you can recall from the driving series? Um, well, unfortunately my, my uh, most recent driving game, Rocket League, we did it devoted an entire hour to a couple weeks back so can't really can't really touch on that one again so i'm i'm, I'm straight out that's fair enough dave did you have any other ones that came to mind uh cyberpunk has a racing mechanism to it that um i was able to play through and that uh it was pretty cool in the sense that you had a passenger who leaned out the window and was like shooting guns at other drivers. So, I mean, I just think that whole concept is pretty dope. And uh, I kind of hope that I can come across another game in that, that kind of way where you're, you're tasked with driving and then you got a passenger who leans out the window and just is like there to like shoot tires off or shoot the other driver. I mean, so. it's funny that you say that because there's just so many times during this podcast that you bring up, you bring up mechanics that, gta created or or at least perfected um that was a big thing in grand theft auto san andreas you and your you and your gang would roll around and and shoot out windows you drive and they'd all shoot and uh yeah there was actually an arcade game and i'm glad you brought this up plumber uh called lucky and wild where the arcade cabinet it was actually one of them was a, a car like you had the pedals and and the steering wheel and the other one was actually a gun Oh, because the whole game is that like you're driving around one person. All they can do is maneuver and try not to crash into shit the whole time. And the other one has to like basically spray bullets all over the place. It's actually an amazing game. I have uh, never awesome. seen or heard of that. That yeah, sounds really awesome. Which is it's, crazy because you think with an idea that good, that would just be everywhere. I think it was the fact that it really put people off that you couldn't play it by yourself. 
because yeah. I think pretty sure you had to pay for both. Otherwise you were at a severe disadvantage. And I pretty certain I saw like one of my buddies or like an older gentleman at the uh, arcade do it one time and fail miserably <laughs> because uh, it, it really was designed specifically to have two different people uh, playing it at once. But it, it was pretty fun. I can't say it was good because uh, I recall dying a lot at it. But yeah, that, that was a great one that I'm glad you mentioned. I, and actually, it's, it's perfect because it flows into um, another one I honorable mention I wanted to bring up, which was the Cruise in the USA, which was uh, big on Nintendo 64 and in the arcade. Uh, probably one of the last like car games I recall that like was I really dove into and then I took a huge break, kind of like Jack. Like, it was like when I look back, it's like majority of these games I really got into were very many years ago. Um, so, yeah, that one um, just I think the graphics, the feel, the speed of it all. Um, like I said, it was Nintendo 64. So it kind of was like that pinnacle of 64 bit graphics, which seems comical now to talk about. But at the time, it was like mind blowing. And uh, if I recall right, that game really cracked me up whenever you crashed because you would actually see the driver and his partner like fall out of it, and, like get splayed out on the ground, which is always hilarious when you fail miserably at a driving game. Dave, did you have any other ones you want to introduce? I I'm, I never partook in this, but um, this is something that a small group of people within the Star Citizen community did. And there's actually a website for it, but it's called the Daymar Rally. And they just got done with their second one. And is what it is, it's, it's 510 kilometers, three outposts on one moon. Um, you're allowed to have two support pilots per team and uh, a support ship, so a ship that can come in, repair, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, vehicle weapons are allowed after three minutes at the start of the race. And I do believe each team can post a sniper at this finish line. So <laughs> pretty much you can try to ensure that um, the other teams like don't make it or at least are slowed down enough to where your team has got a fighting chance. But I caught... Um, the start of it and then I caught Chody uh, getting knocked out of the tournament and then I caught the winner and pretty much the last uh, the first two winners uh, were coming in on foot because their vehicles had just worn out and ground out down to the point where they're just running on foot through like freezing snow <laughs> and pretty much the commentators are just like oh man I don't know if they're gonna be able to stay warm enough they might freeze to death so I mean I just thought that was a really cool concept that um this game that's an alpha stage that isn't even done and you got a dedicated group of people who are willing to to take it and turn it into their own sandbox you know and throw up this huge rally that throws up a prize pool you know a legit prize pool for the winners and they've got set rules and they've got mechanics that are fun you know in the sense that you can have like a sniper posted that can take shots you know they get one bullet so you get one opportunity to try to take out this guy that's you know possibly going to take the win so I'm going to throw that out there too. It's just a nod up to that, you know, that a group of people are doing some fun stuff with the game that, you know, isn't even close to being finished yet. So. Yeah. That's like a huge ringer opportunity where like, you know, like <laughs> most of people just like, are like, Hey, uh, you're my friend and you're really good at sniper games. You want, and then there's that one asshole who's like online, like, Hey, I'll give you 20% of my earnings. If you 
if you camp out at this post and it's like some pro gamer <laughs> well don't quote me on this but i think the first one got interrupted by uh some randos coming in and they just heard about it so they just came in with their shifts and started like shooting up everyone <laughs> <laughs> they weren't even in the race they didn't register they just knew that it was going on so they like flew to this moon and fucked up the race for everyone so I remember uh, Chody just being like, yeah, there's going to be some security out there. They're, they're going to be hanging out outside the moon making sure fools don't come in and fuck with us. <laughs> so, kind of a Wild West mentality to it, which I think was pretty dope. Way cool. That's like classic street racing style, basically only in space. Um, one I'm going to leave us off with, I believe, uh, if either of you gentlemen got the chance to download, I believe it was free. Um, very recently but a uh, horizon chase zero chase turbo it was called uh it's a pretty low budget game but actually a really fun racer great soundtrack uh has a lot of the elements that from old racing games of of your like you know it has you can race against your shadow you can you know everything's time there's little coins you collect as you race that basically provide you with upgrades if you collect enough of them but uh, it's real easy to hop into. It's real smooth control-wise. And yeah, if you grew up playing games like Top Gear or Aluns or uh, Junior Racing Turbo, like it's very reminiscent of that. Like just a super slick, just super straightforward racing game. And uh, can't say enough good things about that. So if you ever get the itch, uh, maybe after uh, listening to this one, I would highly recommend checking it out. What's that called one more time? Horizon Chase Turbo. And I believe it was it was one of the uh, monthly free games on PlayStation Network. So it's kicking around. I, I bet I've even played it. It's pretty rare. There's a, a game that's not a uh, RPG or a uh, turn-based game that I haven't checked out that's been free on PlayStation Network. So I do want to give a shout out to F-Zero. I didn't forget you, my man. Uh, I don't want to talk too much about it, but, you know, you were there in my memories, so. <laughs> F-Zero was amazing. Um, I never got super into it, but I love the aesthetic of it. Um, that, that was, and yeah, I, I'm glad to see that some of the characters have lived on in Super Smash Brothers to this day, so. All right, well, I think that just about does it. So with that all being said, Guys, gals, and any non-binary pals, thank you so much for listening. Take care. Ciao.